0: Welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tifteller, your host. It is Tuesday, our comedy show day. Comedy or drama. I guess it's comedy today because we're going to go back and draw from the efforts of the great Stan Freeberg. We've played over the last year or so a total of six of his programs from his 1957 series, which lasted just, I think, 13 weeks or 15 weeks, and we are up to show number seven, uh, so we'll, we'll get through all of them eventually, but I, I do want to get through all of them because The Stan Freeberg Show is one of the greatest radio comedy shows ever, and it happens to be one of, the, I think, the last radio comedy show ever. There weren't too many... Uh-huh. Can't think of any that were on after 1957. So um, Stan uh, got to wrap up radio comedy with a bang, and then it all went to television downhill from there. Uh, so, anyway. All right, from August 25th, 1957, Stan Freeberg, Dawes Butler, June Ferre, and the other cast of crazies, The Stan Freeberg Show.
1: That was the outcome of the Floyd Patterson and fight.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, let me tell you what this is. This is the
3: seventh show of the series Of a brand new radio series From Hollywood, we present the Stan Freeberg Show With, with the music of Billy May Watch hey. the songs of Peggy Taylor
1: With Doris Butler, June Parade, Peter Leach, and the Dutch Conlon rhythm airs. You may not find us on your TV, because in case you did not know, we're being
2: brought to you on, brought to you on, brought to you on our API.
1: Hello. What is this bit of paper on the floor? Why, why, it's a newspaper clipping Oh, will you read it, Stan? So we can, you know, get into the sketch All right, Dawes It says here, Dr. Hugo Gunk of Cornell Stated today at a press conference, and I quote If the government would spend as much money training psychiatrists As it does training law enforcement officers Crime would be eliminated in 50 years (laughs) No, no, I find that pretty hard to believe 52 years, maybe yeah, well, uh, as a, as a, anyhow, this gives one pause to wonder uh, what it would do to the fearless six-gun-toting heroes of the radio serials. Would the U.S. Marshal become the U.S. Analyst <laughs> and trade in his gun for a couch? End of quotation. Gosh, Dawes, you think they could ever make the Lone Ranger a psychiatrist? Nah, no, I didn't it never, never work. worked.
3: Of the Mayo Clinic into the West with the speed of light and a cloud of dust and the psychoanalyst manual in his hand, the lone analyst rides again. Near the little town of New Rosies, New Mexico, a masked man and an Indian press forward into the gathering twilight. Hurry, Pronto. Press forward into the gathering twilight. Mm.
1: (laughs) Gotta get to Grandpa Snyder's if I'm going to straighten him out before he cracks up. Hemos (laughs) lobby. Faster, Pronto. Faster. Get him up, Scooter. <laughs> Gee, if it wasn't that we needed a switch on get him up, Scout, you could have a horse instead of a scooter. Hmm. Constant hopping play havoc with Soul of Moccasin. Who- whoops. A word of caution, Pronto. You have a choice of three things to say. Mm. Get him up, Scooter. And chemo slobby, you have no other (laughs) lines
2: Hmm.
1: How come you get all good lines? Look, you want to be the big man? Sit up here in the white horse and wear the mask, is that it? Okay. But what I do with scooter? Forget it. Will you forget it? Look, there's a stranger up ahead. I'll ask for directions. Whoa, big fellow! Whoa, big fellow. Whoa, big fellow. Big (laughs) fellow. Oh, he is a big fellow
2: <laughs>
1: Howdy, stranger Howdy-do How comes that you're wearing a mask? Going to a party? No, the... Because I dearly love parties No, the, uh, the reason I wear it is so no one will know me At the party, you mean? No, there is no party Can you direct me to Grandpa Snyder's? Grandpa Snyder's? That's the party
4: I thought you said there weren't no party.
1: There isn't, Grandpa Snyder's Which way? Well, it's about two hoots and a holler down the road. I hope everybody gets paper hats and (laughs) favors. Hey, Slade, how about a little shot of old booze? I don't mind if I do. Hey,
3: Luke, how come they're serving drinks to that kid down to the end of the bar? That ain't no young kid. That's old man Grisby. He's 104 years old. A hundred and four year old? Mm hmm. Why, he's got a face like Bobby Breen. (laughs)
2: How, how,
3: How can he do it? Well, let's move you up behind him quiet like. He's getting ready to order now.
4: Hey, bartender. Give me another shot of that Adolph's meat
1: tenderizer. Come on, we call Greetings, gentlemen. Allow me to introduce myself. I am the lone analyst.
4: Howdy, Howdy analyst. Alice.
1: Have a straight jacket. We'll travel.
4: <laughs> <laughs> going to the uh,
3: going to party, eh? No, there is no party. That's a mighty strange-looking saddle you got on your horse, analyst. Yes, it's the only saddle in these
1: parts that opens up into a couch (laughs) Gee, analyst, that's quite a rig If you think this one's something, you should have seen the saddle a friend of mine had He loved picnics, and his opened up into a redwood table and two benches
3: (laughs) It sounds like a real crazy saddle Sure does,
1: sure was Mm, got him up, Scooter, chemo slobby Whoa. What did you say
3: that for, Redskin? Mm, no reason, just making small talk
1: Can you direct me to Grandpa Snyder's? Well,
3: yeah, it's about two miles... To... Hey, say, how come that big white horse cackles instead of whinnying? He has a complex
1: <laughs> He thinks he's a
3: chicken <laughs> Well, you're the lone analyst Why don't you straighten him out? I
1: would but I need the eggs. <laughs> uh. Through analysis, perhaps we may help. Pro- Hold it too piercing.
2: <laughs>
1: I say through analysis, perhaps we can help Grandpa Snyder find the real him. Uh. But- Did you say something? No. Indigestion. Pronto, look. Up ahead. There's a shortcut. Come on, big fellow. Get him up, Scooter. Darn it. Some wise guy painted a shortcut on those rocks.
5: Yonder, Grandpa. It's a masked man on a bent horse and an Indian on a bent scooter.
4: <laughs> bent, huh?
5: <laughs> Grandpa, have you been painting shortcuts on the rocks again? <laughs> yeah,
4: I'm just a frustrated old man.
1: Oh, big fella. Howdy, folks. You must be Mrs. Snyder.
5: Speaking, and this is Grandpa.
1: Yes, he's the one I've come to see. Uh, what for? To straighten
4: me out. Partly. I thought you said there weren't no partly. <laughs> there weren't. I mean, the boy.
1: <laughs> Steady, Leghorn. Steady.
5: Leghorn, that's a funny name for a horse.
1: Yes, well, he has a mental block. He he thinks he's a chicken.
5: Well, that's nothing. We got a chicken over there who thinks he's a
4: horse.
1: Yes, well, I'm the lone analyst. I reckon as how it's all my duty to straighten him out.
5: Well,
4: I appreciate your offer, analyst, but uh, we like the chicken to think he's a horse. Why? Because he's won the Kentucky Derby three years running. That's why.
2: Oh,
1: I see him now. The chicken wearing the little saddle and reading his press clippings. That's him. <laughs> Hold it. Where could he get a jockey small enough to ride him?
4: Oh, he knows a gopher who thinks he's Willie Shoemaker. (laughs) I'll accept that.
5: Uh, Now, analyst, about Grandpa, he thinks he's a great dame, and I can't tell him no different.
1: I see. How long have you been obsessed with this idea? Ever since I was a pup. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Well, just just lie down here on
4: the couch, will you? Oh, no, she don't like me to get up on the couch. I'm supposed to stay in my basket.
1: That's, That's nonsense. You're no more a dog than I am. Here, have a bone. Thanks, I'll bury it later. Now, repeat after me, I am not a Great
4: Dane. I am not a Great Dane.
1: I am Grandpa Snyder.
4: I am Grandpa Schneider. And once
1: again, I am not a Great Dane. I am Grandpa Schneider.
4: I am not a Great Dane. I am Grandpa Schneider. Hey, hey, Ma! I'm well. I'm well. How are you? How are you? How are you? Oh my poor! Oh! Suckins. he's gone, and I wanted to thank him.
5: Who was that masked man, anyhow?
4: Beats me. But I'm well.
5: You are.
4: Sure, feel my nose
1: (laughs) So much for analysis (laughs) And now for another stirring moment, a very special guest on our first show from the Basque region of France, you'll recall we presented Monsieur Marcel Toulet and his chorus of Tuned Sheep. Uh, at that time, uh, Monsieur Toulet told us that his brother Francois played the nose flute. Uh, Mr. Francois Toulet is here with us tonight. Again, due to a language barrier, I've asked our good friend, Monsieur Devaroux, who's familiar with the Basque dialect, to interpret for us. It is a great pleasure. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the nose flute is a bamboo tube. There's one hole into which the air is blown and two to let it out. Now perhaps he will fill us in on how he plays it. Ah, yes, Kim. Long technique, vous nose flute,
4: He
1: say he plays it with his nose. Fine. Well, let's get a little history of the instrument. So this is from the Basque region of France, eh? Long C'est pour cause le Basque region of France, eh? Pourquoi
4: he
1: says he thinks you are off your rocker
2: <laughs> He got it in Hawaii What'd
1: he say? What'd he say? <laughs> I'm sorry to
2: tell you
1: that, but that's, a, that's Hawaiian Yes, which languages? Oh, fine <laughs>
2: Bishop Freeburg,
1: we are undone I cannot understand him, Billy. Billy, may you've done uh, quite a lot of time in the islands. Uh, do, uh, do you know the language? Sure, daddy Tahuya muya, puya kuya man.
2: kula u'a.
1: lua a poipu. Well, what did uh, Monsieur Toulay say?
2: He says, like man, the whole thing is bugging him, and if you'll knock off the quacking which
1: he digs the least, he will get on with the nose flute turkey. <laughs> What did he say? Monsieur Toulay? Mr. Billy May. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. What's he going to play, Billy? Music from the islands?
5: I'll ask him. Ilwe Mui bula Honolula Scuba-Doo. Honolulu Scuba-Doo. Yakahula Dixi-ula. He says like he only
2: makes Dixie. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, a bass playing Dixieland on the Hawaiian nose flute should be a novelty. Hit it, boys. <laughs>
2: Monsieur, je n'ai pas lerreur déraillé, les froid. Ouch
1: trouble. Monsieur, catastrophe. Is his most caught in the fruit?
2: <laughs>
1: That's one of the hazards of the sport, and thanks for being with us. <laughs> The Blue Cross covers something like that. (laughs) I just like the nose flute concert, Peggy. Pretty moving, wasn't it? Oh,
6: indeed it was. I've never heard anything like it.
1: No, you're not likely to. Peggy Taylor, ladies and gentlemen.
6: Thank you. And Stan, to get back to that nose flute, Mm -hmm. what happens if you have to sneeze in the middle of a number?
1: No, you don't understand, Peggy. The training of the nasal flautist is more rigid than yoga. Their self-control is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. And now I'd like to have you people know Peggy Taylor a little better. Peggy is going to do dancing on the ceiling.
6: He dances overhead on the ceiling near my bed in my Hide in vain Underneath My counterpane There's My love Up above I whisper Go away My lover It's not There But I'm So grateful to discover still there I love my ceiling more since it is a dancing floor just for
1: Next May, will mark the 89th anniversary of the driving of the Golden Spike that completed the first transcontinental railroad in the United States. Uh, It's a bit early to celebrate this event, but uh, you know, better early than never. So our alert news staff brings you now a reenactment of the driving of the Golden Spike (laughs) on the program that takes you back to historical moments. There you are.
3: This is Hal Wibley of There You Are. We're at Promontory Point, Utah, where the rails of the first transcontinental railroad will soon meet and be joined by a golden spike. They are now only one mile apart, and they are working like mad. While we are waiting for this historic meeting, we switch you to Chuck Grisby of There You Are. Thank you. This is Chuck Grimsby. I am stationed near the point where the rails will meet at the
1: Iron Horse Bar and Grill. Beside me is Mr. Patrick Hammerhead Grogan, The man who's been chosen to drive the Golden Spike Mr. Grogan, will you tell us how you came to have the honor To be chosen as the man to drive the Golden Spike? Well, uh, you see, I was working on the track yesterday Yes And the fireman, he
4: comes up to me and he says Hey, Grogan You doing anything tomorrow?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And
5: I says, uh, no so he
1: says, the foreman says, okay, you drive the Golden Spook." A remarkable story, Mr. Grogan. Now we switch you back to
3: Hal Webley for a report on the progress of the track lane crew at Promontory Point. This is Hal Webley at Promontory Point. The crews are now three quarters of a mile apart and coming on fast. We switch you now to, there you are, correspondent Rip Midgley. This is Rip Midgley at Ogden, Utah. I'm in the cab of the engine that will proceed from here to meet the train from the west at Promontory
1: Point, where the Golden Spike is driven. The fireman and engineer are getting ready to start the engine, so let's listen. I beg your pardon, Mr. Engineer.
3: Some coal?
1: Yes, please, Mr. Fireman. Two lumps. (laughs) Cream? No, thanks. I'll take it black.
3: (laughs) Very well, sir. We return you now to Hal Wabley at Promontory Point. This is Hal Wibley at Promontory Point. The track-laying crews are now a half a mile apart and coming on fast. We switch you now to, there you are, correspondent, Speed Langley. Yes, this is Speed Langley. I'm in a single tower at
1: Steve Canyon, Nevada. Beside me is the signal man who will clear the track for the eastbound train, which will meet the westbound train at Promontory Point. Sir, will you describe the procedure you will follow to clear the track for the eastbound train? Well, sir, when I hear her coming down the line, I'll stick my head out the window, point my finger east, and holler, Okay, Charlie, just follow them tracks
2: <laughs>
1: Are you pleased about being assigned to this important job, sir? I sure am
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I waited in this gall dang tower nine on to five years before there was any track going by at all <laughs> And now we return it to Hal Webley
3: this is Hal Webley. The track layers are coming into the home stretch. The east is ahead by half a length, and they're coming on fast. They're approaching the finish line. The west is gaining. The west is at the finish line. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The track layers from the east have stopped. They're still two feet short of the finish line. I'm, I'm trying to get close to the track layers to find out why the east stopped so suddenly. Here's the foreman coming this way. Oh, sir. Sir. Would you mind telling me why the track layers from the east have stopped? We're short by two foot.
2: (laughs) Well,
1: what can you do? We could go back to Chicago and push a little.
3: (laughs) That would be quite time-consuming. Or, or I could slap in a two-foot piece. And your decision is. Slap in a two foot pace, you fat head.
2: <laughs>
3: Thank you, sir. Here, folks, is an Indian chief approaching. Oh, chief, will you tell our listeners what you think of the iron horse? Hmm, iron horse, bad medicine. Or what do you consider good medicine? Buffering. <laughs>
2: Thank you,
3: chief. Oh, pardon me. I see they've gotten their track and they're ready to drive the golden spike. Yes, folks, this is the big moment we've been waiting for. Mr. Grogan is stepping into position. He is grasping the golden spike in his left hand. He is raising the hammer with his right hand. Now he is about to drive that golden spike. There it goes. Down comes the hammer and...
2: Oh! <laughs>
3: hit his thumb on the first try. (laughs) Now he's trying again. There he goes. He did it! He did it, the golden spike is driven. And now here comes the trains, one from the east and one from the west. (laughs) They're speeding to the meeting point, the historical spot at Promontory Point where the east and west will meet. They're getting closer, they're about to meet. like to get President of the United States, Ulysses S. Grant, and get his reaction. Oh, Mr. President, would you say a few words about the meeting of the trains? <clears throat> it would appear to me they should have laid two tracks. Thank you, Mr. President. To shout like that.
1: Well, I, it's uh, like
3: right in my ear, man.
1: Well, it goes with the song. You yeah,
3: know. but don't holly my ear, man.
1: Well, it's a penny calypso. Yeah,
3: but like why stand next to me, shout. man? Oh, well, the shout goes with the bongo drums. Well, not my bongo drums, man. I mean, move away, like. Well, I don't see why you can't. Uh... No, 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 stand over next to the guitar, man. He sent me over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, then sing soft, man. You know, what I mean, like wow. Okay. Day! Too loud, man. Day! That's better.
6: Easy day, easy day, easy day, easy day, easy day, oh Daylight come and me one go
3: home. Yeah,
6: man.
3: (laughs) I work all
1: night and a drink of rum. Daylight come and me one go
3: home. Stock banana till the morning come. Daylight come and me won't go home. Lift six. six, no, six no, hold foot, it, man. Seven, hold it. Hold it. Eight foot bunch. Daylight. Oh, it's too loud, man. It's too loud. Six. No, hold it. Eight. Hold it. Hold it. go home Oh, my ears. My ears one, like my ears. Day. No, hold it, man. Day. No, it's too shrill, man. It's too pissed. Oh.
2: <laughs> I,
3: uh, no, it's too piercing, man, uh, it's too piercing Well, I gotta do the shout No, man, it's too piercing, like I don't dig loud noise. Well, you ruined the whole... Piercing
1: Record is what you do Yeah Well,
3: tough, I'll take my bongos and go, man Because the whole thing is like bugging me anyhow Yeah,
1: but wait, 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 wait. No, 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 I'm... I'm shout
3: c- I'm cut. cutting, man, like I didn't want to make this gig in the first place no, Wait, wait, I'll be soft I'll yeah. be soft Yeah, well, back, back off from me, man It's too piercing Okay Too loud, man. (laughs) Too loud, man. I can still hear you. Would you mind leaving the room?
2: Okay. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Daylight come come and we won't go home. home.
3: Daylight, come and me one go home. Hey, beautiful bunch of ripe bananas. Daylight, come and me one go home. Hidey, deadly, black tarantula. Daylight, come and me will go home. don't sing about spiders. I mean, ooh, like I don't dig spiders. He goes, hidey, deadly, black tarantula. Daylight, come and me one go home. Is that it? Can I leave now? No, not yet. We've got a big finish. Hey. Yeah, man.
2: I locked myself out.
3: Crazy.
1: (laughs) I come through the window.
3: Daylight, come and go Wow.
1: Thank you. My thanks to Peter Lees for interrupting me in the Banana Boat song. So, till next week, then. Uh, let's see. Next week, we'll bring you the lone psychiatrist, uh, Monsieur Toulet, and his nose flute. Uh, The banana boat song Uh, No, that's what we did tonight That's right I don't know what we're going to do next week. Oh yeah, we're going to do St. George and the Dragonette And many other things too So until next week This is Stan Freeberg saying Thanks for listening God bless you And good night
3: The Stan Show is produced in Hollywood by Pete Barnum and is written by Stan Freeburg, Pete Barnum, Dawes Butler, and Jack Loach. Featuring the music of Billy May, Judd Conlon for the Mayors, and the songs of Peggy Taylor with Dawes Butler, Peter Leeds, and June Parade. Bud Sewell speaking.
0: Okay, the Stan Freeberg Show number 7 from August 25th, 1957. I kind of feel old listening to that (laughs) for a number of reasons. I knew Stan Freeberg. uh, These recordings that you're listening to actually came from his personal masters of the show, which we copied years ago and still uh, have them today in great sound, which is wonderful. A couple things about that. The Lone Psychiatrist was, of course, a satire on the very famous radio show The Lone Ranger. An interesting aside, very recently I was contacted by a man who had written a book on some aspect of The Lone Ranger and actually asked if he could come on this podcast and uh, talk about his book and The Lone Ranger. And I said that was fine, except for one little thing is I'm not a big fan of The Lone Ranger. Uh, I love Stan Freeberg lampooning it here, but the original show I just don't find that good. And those of you who listen to this show know that what I try to do here is I try to present the very best in old-time radio, things that will hold up with a modern-day audience and things that you can play for a modern-day audience and they won't be bored or walk out of the room or fall asleep or whatever. Uh, And unfortunately, The Lone Ranger just doesn't do what I needed to do to be able to get it onto this program. It it has canned music. It, for the most part, they were very poorly written. The acting isn't very good. And even though it was, as my producer referred to it, as the Star Wars of its day, which it probably was, loads of people are big. Uh, well, there are not many around now, but loads of people back then were big fans of The Lone Ranger. But, eh just doesn't work for me. Anyway, when I explained to the uh, gentleman that had written the book that I wasn't a particular fan of the show and would make no secret of that, but certainly give him ample time to talk about the program and we would play one, uh, he bailed and said he didn't want to do the podcast anymore. So, okay, that means you're not going to get any Lone Rangers unless somebody else comes up with a book and we decide to do one. So, But we'll play satires of the Lone Ranger anytime, and uh, Stan Freeberg did a good one. Uh, The other one on there uh, that was just wonderful and classic was Stan's lampooning of Harry Belafonte's favorite, famous song, the Banana Boat Song or Deo. I'm glad that uh, we're we're doing this show about a month after Mister Belafonte died, so people don't get offended that uh, we're lampooning him on the on the program here. But uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. Some quick checking shows that Stan Freeberg was a year older than Harry Belafonte, who just died at 96, so Stan Freeberg would be 97. I'm 64, and I remember being around Stan Freeberg a lot during the 70s and 80s, and he didn't seem old to me. He didn't act old. And now I'm thinking, wait, 96, 97 years old, oh my... Um, Time flies, as they say. Okay, um, enough of this uh, reminiscing stuff. This is the Good Old Days of Radio show. John Teftiller, your host. Tell your friends. Check out our Facebook page. Uh, check out the website, www.goodolddaysofradio.com. You can listen to this show on all your favorite podcast devices. Uh, It's on YouTube, it's on Spotify, it's on whatever, it's everywhere. Just just find it and tell all your friends so more people can listen. Okay, we will be back next week, and I think next week we have a special guest. Is that correct? Yes. We have a special guest that will be joining us for the next 10 Tuesdays. If you can imagine that, 10 Tuesdays. But trust me, you're going to love it. He's really fun, really entertaining. Um, you may find that he does one show in the voice of Bullwinkle and another show in the voice of Humphrey Bogart. I don't know what he's going to do, but he can certainly do all of that. Um, and that'll be enough of a hint until next week when you we will reveal who this um, brilliant master of voices is, because he's basically um, a master of voices and can do great, Great impressions of uh, all the great old people from old time radio. He's a huge fan of old time radio. And you will meet him on the Good Old Days of Radio show next week, and he will be with us for ten Tuesdays in a row, presenting his favorite great old radio programs and bantering with me in whatever cartoon voice or movie voice he chooses to use. He may even use his regular voice. We'll see, but there, there's enough of a tease for that. And we'll be back on Thursday with some kind of weird and strange program for you, since that's what we do on Thursdays It's get weird and strange here. So until then, this is John Tefteller in the Good Old Days of Radio Show saying goodbye.